before Josh and I continue on with our series, 40 Days of Prayer, Pastor George is going to come up and he would like to greet you and say a few words. And I don't know exactly what he's got planned, but I would love for him to share maybe one thing at least of what prayer has meant to him. Um, it only takes hanging around him for a short period of time and listening to him pray how much I learn about prayer just being around him. So I very much appreciate him for that. Pastor George, come on up, my brother. Why don't you greet us uh, in your native tongue and then in any English? Okay. That'd be great. Um, can I let this? Um, my native tongue is uh, Luo, and uh, I want to greet you in Luo. I want to say, praise Jesus. That's how Christians be, uh, greet each other. So, praise Jesus in Luo is Yesu Opaki. Yes, Yesu Opaki. Our national language is Swahili. So in Swahili we say Buana Asifiwe. Exactly. I also I also minister among uh, the Maasai people. In Maasai we say Mrs. Yesuole. That's a long one. Also minister among the Pokot people. Oh, that will take a lot. <laughs> okay. Um, so, do we have it? Okay, thank you. So, my name is George. Uh, this is my family, my wife Leah, uh, my children Xavier, Clint, and Brianna, and uh, my cousin Monica. So I'm here because God has sent me to America because he's a faithful God who spoke at night about midnight of January this year and he said that this year will be my first time to go to America to share a message that he has put in me and it, it was going to be the first time of me going to America and uh, to other parts of the world and God is so faithful. Me standing here, I didn't do anything about it, I didn't press any button, I'm just watching to see his faithfulness unfold and thank you so much. I don't even know who gave money for my airfares to come here and that's how I don't know how I pay for things in my life. I mean, people ask me, how do you do this? And uh, I'm stuck. I don't know how to answer, just as I cannot answer specifically who paid. Whoever you are, God bless you so much. Thank you for listening to his voice and causing all this to happen. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you. It's amazing, God. We human beings, whatever we make, we are made, making them out of other materials. But you, O oh Lord, depended on nothing, and you created the whole universe simply by your word, O oh God. You can just speak a word and tell everybody in the world to be saved, and they can be saved. But you have not chosen to do so, O oh God. You have chosen to use weak and insufficient vessels like us, O oh God, to preach the message of the gospel, O oh God. And Father, I thank you, O oh God, that you can work with us and keep your promise that you said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Thank you for your presence, O oh God. For the time that I'm going to talk here, God, I pray that you may use these words, O oh God, to encourage somebody, to challenge somebody, to strengthen somebody, even as you desire. We bless you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I want to encourage you with a verse from the Bible, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. The Bible says, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. The book of Ephesians is a book of the Christian life. 
it, has, it is a book that has six chapters. The first three chapters talk about how to be saved and the blessings of salvation, things that come in your life when you receive Jesus Christ the Lord. The next three chapters talk about, now because you have all these blessings, this is the way to live your Christian life. Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 3, the Bible says, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, not can, not will, not may, but has blessed us with every, not some, but every spiritual, not every material, but every spiritual blessings in Christ. Jesus. So we are already blessed spiritually. Believers in Christ, we have it all. And that's what uh, that chapter says to us. And it continues to mention a lot of all, all of those blessings that God has given us. For example, he says that we are accepted in the beloved. It says that in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins according to the praise of the glory of his grace. And so many things that we have received. In chapter 2 he comes and says to us now because of this blessing that you, that you have received, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11, he says, remember therefore that you were once Gentiles and were strangers to the commonwealth of Israel. You were not God's people. You were far away. But now you who are far away have been made near to God by the blood of Jesus Christ who died on the cross to break the wall of separation that separated people from God and separated Gentiles from Jews but by the death of Jesus all that has been broken and now you have been made one we are a, a new person in Christ Jesus and he continues into chapter 3 where he says that uh, I chapter chapter 3 verse 8 Paul says I who I am less than the least of God's people this grace has been given unto me that I may preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. We have riches, and they are not riches of your good works. They are not riches of your church. They are not riches of anything that you can claim, but they are riches of Christ, and they are unfathomable, unsearchable, numerous riches that has been lavished on us. Then he begins chapter 4 to tell us now the outworking, how we are supposed to live the Christian life. Chapter 4 verse 1, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you may walk worthy of the calling by which you have been called. So we have been called by a heavenly calling, but we should walk in a way that shows that. In chapter 5 verse 1 he says that as dearly beloved children, be ye imitators of God. In other words, trace your life after Jesus Christ. Be you imitators. Show yourself as one who follows the Lord. And chapter 6, he begins to talk to us now the final things. And he says in chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. In other words, be strengthened by the means of the Lord that is inside of you. I want to ask you something, saints. As you look at your Christian life, do you see it as a, a battlefield or as a playground? Do we have the slides, please? As you look at, they're there? Oh. Okay. As you look at your own Christian life, uh, do you see your Christian life as a playground whereby you get whatever you want, you can do, you can serve God however you want, or do you see it as a battlefield? And I want to tell you, dear friends, that the Christian life is a battlefield. And the battle that we are in is not something that we can manage by our own ability. You are not much to the devil and his demons and the world system and the flesh. You are not much to them. But God is inviting us. As much as we have no strength in ourselves, God is inviting us and he's saying that we can be strengthened by his might. In other words, as much as things are hard outside there, as, you know the Christian life is not a life that is difficult to live. It is not difficult to live the Christian life. It is impossible. 
It is impossible. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It doesn't say it's difficult. It does not, there is no possibility. And what is faith? Faith simply means depending and relying on Jesus. So God is telling us to rely on him, that he may infuse strength in us. There is a task that is ahead of us truth and grace fellowship there is something that god is calling us to do and we cannot do it by our own strength but i tell you dear friend god says in his word that the eyes of the lord move to and fro in all the earth that he may find a person whose heart is loyal to him so that he may show himself strong on their behalf will you be that person Will you be that person who relies on God to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can pray for or even imagine? God can use us beyond our wildest dreams, and he promises to do so. But it calls for a life of faith. So, the task ahead of us as truth and grace fellowship is a huge thing. But let me tell you, the task ahead of you is never as great as the power behind you. God says, be strengthened by the Lord, the almighty God, who made heaven and earth, wants to be the one that strengthens you so that you can do it. Now, as we think of the task that is ahead of us and the power that God makes available for us, we know that we need the word of God because the Holy Spirit will always use the word of God. Now, listen to this, dear friends. If you don't get into the word of God, the Holy Spirit will be limited on what he can do through you. And if you just get into the Word of God and you don't get into fellowship with the Spirit, the Word of God will be limited in what it can do in your life. The Bible says, we all, all of us, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, as you behold the Word of God, the Holy Spirit takes what you are beholding, what you are reading, and makes it to manifest in your life. He uses the Word of God. So we need to get into the Word of God, because the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, the Bible says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, piercing to dividing bone and marrow, spirit and soul, and is a designer of everything and every thought of man. So we need to lay hold of the word of God. As servants of God, we have just to rely on the word of God and use it because this is powerful and this is life. And as we talk about the word of God, dear friends, do you know that there are people in the world that are desiring to have the word of God and they don't have it. There's a time that I went back to our village to share the word of God and I knew my parents have a Bible so I did not carry my Bible with me. So when I went there, there's a pastor who used to come to borrow my parents' Bible, read it and cram it. In Kenya people literally cram the Bible. So you cram because you don't know when next you'll find the Bible. So he crams the pastor that he's going to preach and then he goes to preach without a Bible sometimes if you're not good at cramming you go with a paper you write it you're going to preach with a paper but this time this pastor read the Bible and hid with it and went with it to his church so I go to preach and there is no Bible not only at the church but at the whole village because it's only my mom who used to have the Bible and I felt so bad I told the church that we can pray about this we can change this and we began to fast and pray asking God to give us the Bible and then God did so many things and God started giving us the Bible and when and uh, something happened that really changed everything when these brothers came and uh, we have these two brothers here, brother Mark and Justin, that they brought just so many Bibles. 
And we were able to go to so many villages. And we gave pastors Bibles. I tell you, even this time before I came, there are pastors who came and people are crying. They're saying, you are the one who brought the people that has given us the word of God. We have people in the villages who cannot read, read magazine. Not because they don't want, they don't have the ability to read magazine. But when they received the Bibles, we have people who can just read the Bible. God has just, they ask God for an ability to read the Bible and that's all they can read. They can't read anything written on the screen, written on a paper, but they can read the word of God. God wants people to know his word. God wants people to read his word. God wants people to hear his word. And I want to ask you, brothers and sisters, pray for us. This is the, the lines that, that we have there. When people hear that Bibles are being given, they flock in the lines. People beg. People come kneeling down, shedding tears to get the word of God. And the word of God is changing people's lives. We go to some other places where, which are so dark and so wild. These places are not able, to, these people are not able to read. So then when you go there, you just talk the Bible to them. But then we come back to other places where people can, list, can, can read, and we train these ones, and then we send them into the forests to go and share the word of God. To go into those places are very remote, but we thank God that he's sending to us, brothers and sisters, through your prayers, um, when we receive Pastor Jeremy and through all these connections, these are wonder workings of our God. It is not by our own ingenuity, not something that we thought about, but things that are happening because somebody is praying. Bible says in James chapter 5, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When you pray, God will send people into the fields and the work of God will be done. There is a great work, just as Pastor Jeremy talked about. We are trusting God to go to, into these places. There are vast lands where you cannot see anybody. But when you go to those deep sites, you find people who live in the forest. They don't even have houses and you go there to share the word of God with them. And this is why I'm praying for God to be able to uh, bless us with a vehicle that we can be able to go into these areas uh, easily because the tribal people, them, when you speak to them the word of God, you just don't tell them, Jesus does this. I tried that and they said, who is Jesus? I said, Jesus died on a cross. Listen to what they asked. They asked, what is a cross? Because even when people die, they don't use crosses. They don't know those things. So how do you preach to tribal people? By beginning from the beginning. Genesis, from creation, all the way to Christ. It resonates with them. And that takes time. If you rent a vehicle, you are going to pay a lot of money. Because even when you are not driving the vehicle, you are still paying on rent. So I'm appealing you to you, brothers and sisters, if God will speak to somebody that you may join hands with us for this cause that we pray, we trust in God that he may be able to use us to go into all these fields that we may uh, share the word of God there and do things that we cannot do by our own ability. The Lord bless you. through the book of Ephesians that took Josh and I six weeks and he just like did it in 15 minutes or whatever. So cool. Now, now let me say this. I know that's, that's funny, but whew, boy. But Pastor George, what, 2011, is that's the year you were saved, born again? What year? Yeah. 2011. 2010. 2010. So he's only been saved nine years, but because of his prayer life and his love for the Word of God, and he meditates on it, and obviously he memorizes it, he can just come up and preach from the book of Ephesians, quoting scripture solely because not it's anything he's done, but God has rescued him, and he had a hunger and a desire to get to know this God through a relationship and study his word 
so that he can obey his calling in his life. And George is no different than you and I. God wants to do the same thing with you and I. God wants us to hunger and thirst for his word and a prayer life that's passionate and built on the word of God. And God wants to use us in a mighty powerful way. Um, All right, we're going to sound check okay. real quick. Yeah. Am I on? All right, there we go. Good? All right. All right, I'll let you guys do this. We don't have it up here. That's okay. Um, so I might have went ahead. So if you could go back to the just the beginning. Um, today, Josh and I, so we're in week four of our 40 days of prayer. Today, we want to give you five practical ways that you can pray in the five, in five different dimensions of your life. And let me quickly just intro that and explain that. God is a multi-dimensional God. That means he's not limited by space. God is not limited limited by time. Uh, God became flesh. The Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was 100% God, 100% man, multi-dimensional, right? Uh, our creation is multi-dimensional, right? So we have, if you, if you take two points on a line, that's one dimension. And if you add another line, that's two-dimensional. And if you have the same line and then you go out, that's what? Three-dimensional. We can go to movies and put on glasses and watch 3D movies, right? Well, there are five known dimensions in the world, and there's probably more than that because we're just not smart enough to figure them all out, but God is multi-dimensional, and so in other words, um, just time itself, God has always been and always will be. God has been everywhere you've been before you knew him, before you were born, and when you came to know him, God is with us right here, right now at the same time he's also with Pastor George's family in Kenya and God will always be he's already been everywhere your next decision takes you God is multi-dimensional and so we want to talk today about five different dimensions of your life that you can use as practical ways to pray and so God or Josh is going to start out by giving us the first one I believe it's in your notes. Yep. So, all right, you got your bulletins, pull out that note sheet, and we'll get started. The very first one is, is I look backwards to the cross in regards to prayer, okay? That's kind of the first piece of it. And what that really means is a grateful heart, a thankful heart, right? So, we look backwards at the cross, and we have a cross in the back of the, uh, the gymnasium. And remembering what Christ has done for us, remembering all the blessings that we have in our lives. I thank God every morning for Kylie and Mia and Jake, our church family, this church, family and friends. So it's a place to go in the very beginning of your prayer and just say thank you. One of the things I love Brother George does is, I mean, do you, and I don't know if any of you opened your eyes, but the last two times that you've been up here, when he prays, he kneels down. And remember, Morty will have us do that at times, turn around and kneel. And it's just a respect. It's an honor. It's glorifying God, but it's also saying, thank you, God. Yes. Thank you for allowing me to be in this place. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. So that's the very first thing. So think about this. There's really three things inside of, so Jesus died on a cross, right? Pastor George talked about that. That's the gospel. We, we talk about that every single week. But think about the three things to remember in regards to Jesus' um, sacrifice for each and every one of us. One is how deeply God loves you. Yes. Understand how deeply he loves you. The second piece is how costly evil and sin is, because what does sin do is separates us. It takes us away from God, right? And I love the analogy of the wall built up before and breaking that wall down, crushing that wall. And that's what Jesus Christ did for us. And make it personal, your sin, my sin cost Jesus pain, suffering, and death. And so as we look backward, it ought to well up inside of us that gratefulness. 
Right. And the other piece of this is how completely that we're forgiven. Remember that Christ says everything in the past we're forgiven for, right? Everything in the present and everything going forward. So think about the things that you just did this week, right? I mean, I could probably make a list of the things that I fell down on this week and sin, right? It's not that I want to sin. It's repenting of those sins. But just think about the absolute, complete forgiveness of the things that separated us from God. Let's take a look at this scripture. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life. He paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And if I go back to the first 30 years that I walked on this earth, it was an empty life. I did not have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me, right? I wasn't living through Christ. And I love the analogy too, just that we talk about it all the time, right? We pray to God, and that's how we talk to Him, but how does He talk to us? Through the, Through the Word of God, right? And this Holy Spirit is limited based on our limitation of what time we put into this, right? Amen. So the better we know the Word of God, the Holy Spirit can work and move and utilize us in different settings, right? Literally around the world. Let me ask you this question. How do you know what something is worth? Let's say you got some beautiful uh, masterpiece at home. It's, a, it's a, a relic of some sort. It's a painting. Um, how do you know how much that thing is worth? <laughs> Google is one answer, right? Right? We, we can look up all kinds of articles, research on what that stuff is worth, but at the end of the day, it comes down to one thing, and it's what is someone is willing to pay for that thing, right? That's the end of it. There's going to there be all kinds of things laid out, but at the end of the day, what is somebody willing to give you for that? So my question to you this morning is, what are you worth? What are you worth? How do you see yourself? Jesus Christ died on a cross for you. And I know some of you are sitting here this morning thinking, God doesn't love me. You're thinking, I'm unworthy of being loved. I've done all these things. But when you hit your knees and you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you become a child of God, right? That's how much He loves you. All the sins that you've ever committed, you will commit today or forever will be, are forgiven by the blood of Christ. So don't let Satan or your own mind trick you into believing that you're not worthy, that you can't praise God. Go back and look at the sacrifice. So when we begin that prayer, a thanksgiving heart of all the blessings that we have in life, but the number one thing is Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. Always go back to that as number one. Look back to that cross. Think about that cross, shed blood all over it. Can, I can't even imagine the beating and the hardship and the lashings that he took for each and every one of us. So number one is always look back to the cross in our prayer. I think some of the reasons we feel unworthy or like we're not worth much is because we've believed lies that someone else has told us, that our enemy has told us, that our self has told us. But the Bible says that God cannot lie. And if we know that he says, you are worth to me, me sending my one and only son and having him suffer and die for you, then in God's eyes, you are worth a lot. And we need to start believing yes. that because it's going to help and change the way we pray. And if, you're, and if you don't believe that, just you, you have to get to that point because again, the Holy Spirit, you're limited, right? If you keep telling yourself, I'm not worthy, I'm, I'm a bad person, I did this, you're not forgiving yourself and allowing Jesus to move in your life, you're going to continue to live that life, right? You can come to church every Sunday and sit here and be struggling week in and week out because you don't see yourself through the eyes of God. So just flip that switch today and understand that. So we look backwards towards the cross. Number two is this. When I pray, I look upwards into my Father's face. When I pray, I look upwards into my Father's face. 
Now, a, a quote I, I've used a lot, I've heard, I don't remember where it came from, but it's kind of stuck with me. Sometimes we just need to seek God for his face, for his presence, and not just for his hand and what he can do for us. And I think the more we understand, number one, and how much God loves us, even though we don't feel worthy of it, we begin to understand that sometimes God just wants us to seek him and to thank him and to praise him for who he is, not just for what he can do. So uh, I look upwards into my father's face. Let me uh, read the scripture. Uh, hopefully it's up there, Romans 8. 15 through 17 says this, you should not act like cowering, fearful slaves since God's spirit has adopted you as children into God's family. Instead, by his spirit, we simply cry out, Abba, Father, and God's spirit affirms that we really are his children. And since we are now God's child, we are also heirs with Christ and will share in both his suffering and his glory. Now, I'm sure uh, many of us know here at Truth and Gra uh, Grace Fellowship the, the story of, of John and Sarah Pruitt's adoption of little Charlie. And um, God says we were outside of our family. We, we had no family. We were nothing without him. But God has adopted us into our family. And now everything that John and Sarah and Chloe and Carter, everything that they have in their home, this new baby girl, Charlie, now has because she's been adopted into their family. And God says the God who's king of the universe, the God who owns the cattle on the thousand hills, Laurel, right? And the thousand hills, and the food on the thousand hills, and you can just keep going. We have been adopted into that family. And so here's three quick things I want to, uh, points I want to make, they're in your notes uh, as you look at this verse. Number one, God wants our prayers to be personal. Write that next to Abba, Daddy, Father. Now, this is for, for centuries in the Old Testament, years and years and years people did not call God Father. It was, it was too personal. Um, it, in their eyes, it was disrespectful. God was holy, and they knew they weren't, and, and yet Jesus taught us to pray when the disciples asked. He said, our what? Father who is in heaven. And so God wants us to come to him in a personal relationship. Now, if my son Josiah or my daughter Anna or Julie if they walked down the stairs or walked into the front room and they said, hey, Jeremy, how's it going? I would, it would be really weird. But if they say, hey, Dad, can I talk to you for a minute? Oh, my goodness, that would melt my heart and I would love it and I'd say absolutely. Why is God any different? Why are we so offended to think that God would want to call, want us to call him dad or daddy or father, father God? And so um, Rick is challenging us here through the 40 days of prayer and is to make our prayers more personal. It's weird calling God dad. I, I, I struggle with it myself, but I'm a father and I'm a dad and and I know that I would want my kids to call me that because of the relationship I had with them. Mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just so different. If someone walked in the room and said, hey, Reverend Morton, I'd be like, yeah, you don't know me very well. <laughs> I, won't, I won't be calling you Reverend. <laughs> but, <No>. but, <laughs> but if you walk into the room and you say, hey, Morty, That's right. I know, like, you know me close as a friend. I mean, you know my nickname. Or if you walked in and you said, hey, Jeremy, even Pastor Jeremy, I just, I struggle with pastor. That's, that's what I do. But Jesus said, don't, don't let anyone call you father or teacher. And I just, I wonder if he would say pastor even today. Because we only have one father. We only have one creator. We only have one teacher, one rabbi, one shepherd who pastors us. Anyway, but so you get the connection. So make it personal. The Bible here says cry out. The spirit within us cries out, Abba, Father. So in other words, make your prayers passionate. Put some emotion into it. Now in Africa, they know what emotion and dancing and excitement is all about. 
I mean, they put emotion into their praying, and it's not fake. It's real. And so I don't ever want us to fake it. Well, pastor said I, I should put some emotion in my prayer, and so um, I, I, should, I should do that. I mean, I just, I want you to get to know God so well that you're not afraid to cry out to Him. You're not afraid to, to weep. You're not afraid to shout. You're not afraid to run around the table at Fujiyama because God has just blessed you. I mean, Did we get unashamed. Did we get a video of that? No, no, no I didn't. Pictures? Man. It happened so quick. He's a Kenyan. They run fast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, really last, because I know we got to get through this. Number three, next to by his spirit, put partnership. Did you know every time you and I pray, the Bible says that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he's making intercession for us. In other words, you partner with him. The Bible also says that we partner with the Holy Spirit when we pray. Now, I don't have the scripture up here, but I want to read it. Listen to Romans 8. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. In other words, we might be praying, we might not be saying dad or father, we not, might not be making it uh, personal, we might not be making it passionate, we just be, might be like, God, I, I just don't know what to say. And the Spirit is, is interceding with us and the Spirit saying, God, Jeremy needs this. He's praying for this, but he really needs this. And, and I know his mind's saying this, but his heart really wants this. God, would you grant that to him? I want you to know when you pray and I pray, we partner with a heavenly Father and a Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit who prays and intercedes with us. Amen. And for us, I pray that changes the way we address him. All right, number three. Amen. This is, I look inward to Jesus living inside of me. And for me, in study, this is like the main point that I grabbed a hold of here. So just think about, right? So inside of us, we talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. When we accept Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit enters inside of us. And remember that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are all one, right? So now we need to look inward and realize that those three, are all inside of us, okay? So, and I love how Rick says it, and we're going to say it. He said, all three in me. So let's say that. All, all three, three in me. me. All three in, in me. me. And so how my little mind works is I imagine there's three little gods, three little Jesuses inside of me. Well, if they're inside of me, they know everything about me, right? So Jesus is up in my mind. He knows what thoughts I'm having. Isn't it crazy that we can be praying sometimes and some of the thoughts come into our mind that do? It's like, whoa, where'd that come from, right? But Jesus is in there, so he knows everything that's going inside of me. So if he knows everything that's going on inside of me because he is literally in me, I should have the courage to face my faults, right? Hmm. Because if he's inside of me, he already knows what I struggle with. He already knows the sins that are in my life, right? So if he is in me, I am in him, Jesus knows what's going on in our lives. Sometimes we try and look at him as a person who's outside of our world, outside of our bodies, outside of our life, that he only knows what we want him to know. Is that right? No. He knows everything they want because they're inside of us. So Rick says it this way. There are some things in here or in me with Jesus that I don't like. Let me list a few. Bad attitudes at times. Secret sins. Does anybody else have any secret sins? Obsessions, fears, hurtful memories. Maybe some re regret, yeah. some unforgiveness. But God, there's some things in me I don't even know how to clear out. These things of unforgiveness and things that are rooted inside of me, I don't know how to get them out. But you know who does? God. And if God is inside of me, does he want to help me get these yes. things out? 
Yes, yeah, so let's go to this scripture. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourself. And let's stop there for a minute. Hmm. It, it, this doesn't, it says, examine Josh. Josh, you examine yourself. Yeah. It isn't, hey, Josh, examine Kylie mm -hmm. and let, let her know. Examine her and let her know what she needs to work on. No. <laughs> it says, examine yourself to see if your faith is real and growing. Yes. Test yourself. Remember that Jesus is living where? In, in, you. You. in you. Unless you failed your test. And at first I read the scripture, I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? Did I fail my, did I, did I miss an exam? What? <laughs> it's meaning that you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. That's what that means. So have you asked him? And if you have, examine yourself. Not, not who's next to you. It's a lot easier to examine them, isn't it? Just look to your right or left. Who's sitting next to you? And he is Lord. And so when we are examining ourselves, it's not just have I said I believe he's Lord or have I said I want him to be my Lord. But there's a, there's a mindset and there's a plan within you. No, I want him now to be Lord of my life. And here's some things I'm starting to do. Here's some evidence and some fruit that I'm no longer Lord of my life, but Jesus is. Right. So let me ask you this. Is there anybody in here that doesn't want to get any better than where you're at right now? Is there anybody? Is there any? You're good. You're like, man, I'm on easy cruise control. I am good stuff. Anybody? No. We're all here to get better, right? We want to improve. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We want to get all the yucky stuff out. We want to be able to resonate with God and say, God, help me clean this garbage out. So it comes back to humility, right? But the first thing that we have to do to get better is what? We have to be honest. Yes. We have to be honest with ourselves first. God already knows what's inside of here. He already knows the troubles that we have. So if you, if you say with your mouth, I want to improve, I want to get better, I want to I change, but you're not honest with yourself, is that going to change? Are you going to see a transformation inside of you? No. Because the first thing you have to do is you have to be honest with yourself and know that God loves you absolutely unconditional. So if he forgives you for all the things that you struggle with, literally he's trying to clean you out. And at times we just keep scraping it back up. It's like we want it on the inside of us. I don't think we do. But the first thing that we have to do is we have to be honest. We have to know that God is inside of us, and he wants to help get that yucky stuff mm -hmm. out. And when Josh is saying, when we say one thing and do another, we're not doing it, he's like, no, Josh isn't just saying that. Jesus himself says that. I don't know, I just, as he was talking, I, I remember this quick parable. He, he was asking the Pharisees, and he told this quick parable. He said, hey, uh, a father had two sons, and he told the one son, go into my field and work, and he told another son, uh, go into my field and work. And one of the sons said, uh, no father, I'm busy, but later changed his mind and went into the field and worked. The other one said, yes, father, I'll go right away, but he didn't go. And Jesus turned to the people he was teaching. He would say, which one did his father's will? It was the one that said he wasn't going to, but then he chose to go do it. Not the one that said, yes, father, all go, but then didn't. So it's got to be lip service and heart and mind that moves us to action. We cannot allow God inside of us and not change. Right. It's impossible. When God comes inside, he's going to have his way. And if he's not having his way at all, then we do need to test ourselves and say, has he come inside of me then? Amen. And it is a process. You're not going to be perfect. We talk about that a lot. So I don't want to discourage you either. But are you changing? Are we becoming more and more like him? So uh, when we pray, we look inward to Jesus living inside of us. Number four. Oh, Take wait, a look at this scripture real quick. Proverbs 28, 13. If you try to hide your sins, you will never succeed. But if you humbly confess and reject them, you will receive mercy. What are you trying to cover up? 
God already knows, right? He already knows what's inside of us. So don't cover it up. Confess it. Repent of that. Receive God's grace and mercy. Transform. Transformation. Number one core value comes down to what? A personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Number four. Amen. Number four. So when I pray, I love this one. When I pray, I look around and ask the Holy Spirit to use me. When I pray, I look around and ask the Holy Spirit to use me. I look around when I'm at church. I look around when I'm at work. I look around when I'm at Walmart. I look around when I'm traveling. I look around. I'm intentional. I'm praying for it, and I'm intentional about looking around, and I'm willing to say, God, use me. That is a dangerous prayer to pray. When you say and mean it in your heart, God, use me. Holy Spirit, use me today. Uh, some of us, our small group, we, we've each written down one thing that we're kind of praying uh, for throughout the 40 days of purpose, and God just put on my heart. I just wanted to, I wanted more opportunities for divine appointments, for uh, me not to try to do anything other than to look around and see what God may be up to, and, and then as he provides them, just kind of walk through the door. Yesterday morning, I'm sitting in McDonald's doing a little work, getting ready to put my earphones in and do a little work, and I hear uh, uh, two ladies and two guys over there talking. You know, it's hard not to eavesdrop. Like, well, I wasn't planning to, but they're talking loud. They probably, maybe their hearing's going. I don't know, but one lady says, well, well I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I mean, I talk loud, and my hearing's fine, so it's That's not true. just a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but one lady says, hey, do you know what they're doing with that old Springfield electric building? Um, I haven't seen anyone in that in a long time, and I saw some guys out there painting the other day, and I was just driving around, and it's like God, I'm just listening to them, and then I hear God say, are you going to go over and answer their question or what? <laughs> I mean, I think you know. And so I'm like, oh, I've been praying for divine appointments. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to walk over there, and I walk over there, and I'm like, excuse me, sorry, I, don't, I didn't mean to be eavesdropping, but I just... I overheard you talking, and I, I, I know, I, I know what, what's going on with that building. I introduced myself, and I just, we just chatted for just a bit. Nothing huge, but here's my point. God wants to send you to people that are asking questions, maybe not out loud, but in their minds. And if you have Jesus, you have the answer. Will you listen for God's voice saying, are you going to go answer or not? People are searching for stuff and things and love, and Jesus is the answer. And we just need to be willing to open our eyes and to look around and say, God, I just, I, I'm not great at this or I'm not great at that, but Lord, I, just use me. And if you pray that and mean that in your heart, God is going to do some amazing things in your life. Just by praying that, God, just, just use me. And I, I, still, I still miss opportunities. I'll be on my bed at night and thinking, and be like, man, I bet that was maybe a divine opportunity. I just, I had a quick thought and I just, eh. And I went on with my day. And I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But I want to be better at saying, I'm going to just go see. Because I've been praying that God would use me. And I'm going to just step through that door when he opens him. And I It'll change your life. I think that's the other thing is we sometimes we'll say it. And God like literally, so we say it and the doors look like that. So look over there. See the two doors, right? So we say that prayer. We look at the door. And then something comes along. Now turn around and look behind you at those two doors. See that's wide open, mm -hmm. right? right through that baby right because that's where God wants you going but you're still over here looking at that one well that's the door he wants you to go through go that way 
Right? Oh. You got to take some action and yeah. get moving. And that door might represent, oh, I would like to do that for God, but it's right. closed. Right. I right. don't want to do that for God, but it's open. Yeah. You're praying the prayer, God, use me. Go through the open door. Amen. And, keep and it going. will be more. Yeah. yeah. It will be more than you can ask, think, or imagine. I don't know. Amen. A lot of things, but I know this. You and I are made for more than what we are currently contributing to society. Amen. Because I only know that because I know God. And I know Jeremy's not living up to everything that he has for me. But I can start asking and praying for it. Do you remember when Jesus told his disciples, hey guys, I don't call you servants anymore? What did he say he called them? Friends. Why? Why? Because a servant does not know his master's business but a friend does. God wants to be not just your father, but God through Jesus, the Holy Spirit, wants to be your friend. You're not only a servant, you're a child of the King. You're a friend of God, and God Amen. wants you to know his business Amen. of what he's got going on around you. And I want you to know that and feel that. I'm starting to believe it more and more. I'm not just a servant and a slave of God, although I do consider myself that too. But God says, hey, you're a son too, and you're a friend. And I call you that because a servant doesn't know his master's business. And Jeremy, I want you to know what I'm up to. Amen. And sometimes we need to pause and say, okay, God. I need to stop telling you what I'm up to, and I need to start asking you what you're up to in and around my life. Man, he's going to show you if you ask it and you mean it. Amen. All right, number five. Amen. All right, number five. Praise and worship. Come on up. Number five is this. I look forward to my future in faith, right? So God, we've talked about it before, but God wants to know and hear our thoughts and our dreams and our future and our plans, right? Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that he wants you to verbalize and tell him, man, I'm dreaming of this. I want to do this. Yes. He wants to be connected and have a personal relationship with you. And oftentimes inside of self-help books, motivational, encouraging message, and one of the things that I talk about a lot is what? Surround yourself with great people, right? And one of the things that self-help books do, and I, and I think they're wonderful, if you're reading them, keep reading them. Just put this one at the top of your, your, book, your bookshelf, right? Your priority list. But here's the thing. They talk about surrounding yourself with a mastermind council. And I love how Rick refers to this. He goes, well, I got a mastermind council in my life. I surround myself with great people, and you want to know who the top three are? It's called the Trinity. Let's start right there, right? So if you want to see transformation in your life, you want to get that self-help book rolling a little bit harder, put this one on top of it, because the Trinity will reveal, right? It'll help you get to that next level. God will release it, burn troubles, anxiety away from you. Let's all stand and worship God this morning. So I want you to know, He wants to know where you want to go. He wants you to hit your knees and pray to Him. He wants you to keep talking with Him, building that personal relationship. And as we talk, continue to pray to God, continue to read the Word of God, to get connected with Him more and more every single day. So as we close this morning. If you've got something on your heart that you would like for us to pray with you or somebody to pray with you, grab their hand right now and get moving. We do that right down here on the right side. So if you want somebody to pray for you, you come down and we'll pray with you. If you want time alone, just you and God to pray, you come over here to the left side. And if you have not yet given your life to Jesus Christ, you come forward and we'll pray with you right here. Praise God.